welcome to the Speechly podcast, where you can expect conversations exploring the best opportunities in the world of voice user interfaces. Today's discussion is another interview that I did in the Voice Interface Club on Clubhouse. And in the discussion, I am joined by Brandon Kaplan, who is the founder and CEO of Skilled Creative. You probably know Skilled Creative because Brandon and his team have spent the last few years actively building voice-enabled experiences for various brands across the Fortune 500, but he's also pioneered a new outlook for brands to approach voice tech. And he calls this voice as a program. And this is the model that was the main topic that we dug into in this conversation. We dug into specific topics such as what exactly is voice as a program and why is it important? We also looked at how outcomes can vary for project-based work versus program-based work with voice technology. We also looked at ideal use cases for voice tech within media and entertainment. We also looked at the idea of efficiency versus immersion with voice-enabled experiences. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Brandon Kaplan of Skilled Creative on the Speechly Podcast. But I think our conversation today is a great example of looking at voice from a, a wide lens. Uh, and today I'm joined by Brandon Kaplan, who uh, is the CEO and founder of, of Skilled Creative. Uh, and really, we're going to explore the, the topic of voice technology as a program. Uh, but Brandon, uh, before we jump into the topic, could you just give a quick introdu- introduction of yourself and Skilled Creative? Yeah, of course. Thanks. For, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Um, so skilled creative first is, uh, a creative agency. We're headquartered in New York city, but we've got people all over country and, and multiple countries now, which is great. Um, and we're, we call ourselves a full service conversational AI agency. So started the agency in 2017. Um, and you know, I spent about 10 years in technology manufacturing before I kind of fell backwards into creative services and really just loved the the consultative nature of creative services, the fact that you get to play with creativity, big ideas, problem solving. But I really missed, you know, technology because I'd spent so many years in manufacturing and tech. So I started Skilled Creative as uh, a house where you can bring big ideas together and bring people together, but through the lens of emerging tech. So when we started, we were actually uh, working in multiple emerging technologies. We were doing voice and chat, but we were also doing computer vision and augmented reality and projection mapping and data visualizations and swarm robotics and generative design. And we were creating these like really cool creative campaigns for brands using these technologies. And then a couple of years into the business, I just determined that of all these kind of cool emergent technologies, voice was really leaping ahead. It was, it was changing consumer behavior and the tools were more robust and the platforms were more widespread. So I shifted the agency to completely focus on voice. So for now about the last three, three and a half years, we've been exclusively focused on voice and conversational AI and we're full service. So we, we do strategy, education, we build, we do creative, we do tech, we manage programs, we do maintenance, analytics, go to market strategies. And we work with a lot of really cool brands. Some of our clients are, um, you know, HBO Max, uh, Warner Music Group, 
Mars Wrigley, Nutella, Wall Street Journal, the NBA, Simon & Schuster, Meredith Corporation. So we've been fortunate as kind of voice has been emerging to be helping lead some of these like name brand companies into the space. And it's been cool to see voice through their eyes. Uh, and uh, yeah, so the, the passion grows every day. We got a cool company and, and great, great people working in it. And uh, that's what we do. Very cool. Yeah. And um, I, I definitely want to dig into a, a little bit more of, of how you came to, to ultimately focus um, on, on voice tech, but uh, just to give a little bit of, of structure for, for the conversation today, um, we, we are recording the session, but we're going to start with a, a quick Q&A that, that I have, uh, and then we'll make sure to leave some time at the end for any Q&A from, from the listeners. So please, if you have any questions, um, think those up and then, and then we'll, we'll have some time at the end where you can raise your hand and, and join the stage. Um, but yeah, Brandon, I want to, I want to start, uh, with a little bit more on, on the background of skilled creative and, and how you came to focus on, uh, voice tech primarily. So was this just purely a function of, uh, demand from the customers that you had and, and them just coming to you primarily with an interest in, in voice as one of these emerging technologies, or was, was there something else? Um, that made you ultimately have the conviction to to focus on on voice tech and, and conversational AI purely at at Skilled Creative. So you know it's interesting. It kind of ha- it just happened organically. And you know anybody that's that's listening right now or, or will be listening when this gets published, as, as a business owner or someone who's like in an innovation space, you've got to kind of constantly be pivoting, right? You've got to be constantly be adjusting your view and adjusting your offering and adjusting your perspective because then you can't grow and then you're stuck and you get beat. Um, so the company started, as I mentioned, because I'm just like tech obsessed and I love you know, the creative services space. And it was a response to, I call it the scourge of virtual reality in 2015 and 16. So I, I had a content marketing agency. And uh, when I talked to all of my clients over cocktails and dinners about, well, what are you doing in innovation? Where's your innovation budget going? Everybody was just doing virtual reality headset campaigns. Didn't matter what brand you were or if it made sense. And I said, my God, there's so many other cool technologies out there that we could be leveraging like computer vision and voice. Said it'd be cool to start an agency that just focuses on these emerging technologies. And then for my birthday in 2016, my wife bought me uh, my first Alexa device. So I got the old school, like, you know, black tube uh, Alexa device. And then I, uh, right in the exact same time period, went to a workshop that Amazon did in New York that was introducing Alexa to local agencies. And it just melted my brain. I was like, this is a game changer. This is going to change things. I've got to get my hands on this. Did a couple of workshops, got the developer kit, you know, rallied a couple, you know, contractors I knew who knew the conversational AI space. And we kind of started from there. Um, but we, we started by bolting on all these other, like I had gone to workshops about computer vision and AR and all these things. So we were just kind of picking and choosing technologies that we thought were impactful and cool. And then as we were, as we were pitching clients, you know, we, early on, we got lucky. We were working with Simon and Schuster and we were working with PepsiCo and, you know, Meredith Corporation doing all these different things. And we'd go into, to meet with clients and they'd go, there was good and bad. There was us presenting them with a dozen of like the coolest 
fringe technologies you've ever seen. And they would say, first, thank you. That was one of like the most innovative, cool meetings we've had in years. I'm inspired by innovation. Thank you for introducing us. But we have no idea what to do with you because you have too many services and too many offerings. And I don't know what we want to do. So can you help us whittle it down? So we ended up getting business, but you know, I learned that you need to niche down a little bit. So we ended up niching down to just voice because it was the one that everyone was most excited about. I was the most excited about it. So as soon as we kind of whittled it down to focus exclusively on voice as a, you know, channel, things really picked up momentum because we could go into a meeting and we could say, we are a voice agency. Voice is not just one thing, but let's focus on this as a solution for you. And it really streamlined the conversations and it really helped us grow the business. Awesome. And I think that gives us a perfect segue into the topic today, which is uh, approaching voice as a program versus voice as a project. So uh, just to, to kick it off, what, what does voice as a program uh, ultimately mean to you? This is like our big thing. So it's in like every presentation, I've got to put it on a t-shirt. Um, but th this is what we tell all of our clients. So we noticed early on in the voice space, everybody was running a project. It's like, Hey, we should do a pilot project and, you know, talk to a hundred people in the voice industry and ask them how their voice projects go. And it's often like a lot of really great excitement, a lot of really good intention, a lot of really in heavy, great creative work. And then you launch this project and, you know, you have a couple week marketing period or a few month marketing period and you lose a little bit of steam. And you don't have the right stakeholders involved at the company, or you don't have the right resources assigned to it, or you don't have enough touch points or data points to really inform, did we make the right move? You don't have enough perspective to really iterate the thing, to, to move it in the right direction. So what we started doing really early on is saying, we can't just launch a project. It's, it's got to be a program. And that program allows us to say, hey, your organization is going to invest in this program. It's going to be multifaceted. It's going to have a bigger budget than a project. And in order to do that, it's going to require you know more stakeholder sign-off, which means more stakeholder education. And we should start from an educational place. And then when we launch this, we should have multiple touch points and we should have a scalable strategy and we should have a whole go-to-market strategy and we should have a plan for analytics in the long term and an iteration production plan and testing different types of experiences and A-B testing different things. So that's like a pretty long monologue just to say, we find that when you design a program, your, your, your thought process is very different and it's more invested and it's more scalable versus a project, which could be just like, Hey, I have an idea. Let's make this thing and get it to market. And it's not going to ultimately be as successful. So we really press people to think about it as a program first, just as like a perspective change. And then secondly, as like, a, how are you going to invest in this? Hopefully that answered the question. Yeah. And, and maybe we could dig in a little bit more on, on why this is, is so important. Um, uh, for me, I, I have these assumptions uh, based on what you said or, or my, my sort of takeaway is it, it almost seems like when you approach it as uh, just a project, overall, the experience might be a little bit too siloed or or maybe the, the overall thinking is just a little bit too uh, short term. So I'm curious, are there any uh, like are there like three key points on, on why brands should ultimately be looking at it from this perspective that you really like to drive home 
Um, or, or is it pretty much just summed up by this idea that if you're looking at something purely as a project and have this belief, uh, that it can make real impact, it's just too short term of thinking. I, I think, I think that if we had to limit it to like one statement nails it. Um, but when you, you know, a project could be greenlit by one person with some small discretionary, you know, budget that they have and. You could have a meeting with someone who just have like a use case idea and go and make that thing in a couple of months. And that's a project like easy to, you know, potentially easy to approve and easy to, to put to market. But that doesn't mean that you took all the right steps for, for a brand to agree to launch a program. You've got to get multiple stakeholders involved and you've got to have some difficult decisions earlier on about you know, can we fund this? Can we scale it? Can we integrate it with our APIs? Do we care about this data? What's our goal? What are the KPIs? How can we market it? Who should be involved? Who's going to manage it? What kind of resources do we need? So, you know, it might take a little longer to get something into market, but ultimately I'd rather like slow down to speed up and say, why don't we have some of the difficult discussions early and let's get the right people in the room and get everyone excited. And then let's go really do this thing right with the right strategy and the right plan and the right go to market. Ultimately, it's more sustainable. You know, the, the companies, and again, I don't want to discourage people from building projects. We still do projects. If someone says, hey, I have an idea, I want to build it, we'll build it. And, and we do our best to, to take learnings from those program strategies to build a project. But you know, the clients that we've, we've gotten to sign on to programs, we've been working with for years. And a lot of the clients that we did a project with, it was just that. It was a project. And then, you know, maybe we do a refresh every six months or a year. But there's not like this engaged voice is going to be the next major UI. How does our organization uh, solve for it, which is a program, versus voice looks cool. I want to test something, which is a project. Um, so that that's it. And I'm, I mean, just another assumption is, uh, I'm also assuming this is based on, you know, the actual performance and the data that you see as, as somebody who's, you know, playing a big role in a lot of these different experiences. So I'm, I'm assuming it's also just driven by, uh, pure performance and, and seeing that if you have this longer term or more of a program, uh, point of view, uh, it's probably going to outperform, um, what you're looking for in a project or, or is that too simplified of, of thinking? Cause maybe I could give a counter. And I know that, uh, I believe it was rain agency did a pretty successful, uh, project of, of Google assistant selling shoes during a, a basketball game. So maybe that could be a good example of, of a project in silo. So I, I don't yeah. know if that resonates with you at all. And as I said, I think, you know, we, we talked to our clients about how voice can mean very different things to your organization. Voice could be like this massive infrastructural investment or voice could be as light as like a social media post, you know? And, and we think that those light touch one-off things are part of a program. And we think those big infrastructural things are part of a program. And yeah, there, we've got a lot of experiences in market that were a project and they were very successful for the period of time that the brand wanted them. And then they got taken down or they're sitting out there now and, you know, there's some organic traffic to it. But to your first question, you know, far and away, the most successful results that we've delivered to partners has been on more sustained programs. And, and I think the, one of the biggest keys to that is like on a project, you're, you're going to launch it. Maybe you'll do a couple months of like analytic, really heavy focused analytics and iteration, 
and maybe you'll do a checker on it every three, six, 12 months. Um, but some of the greatest successes that we've had in voice experiences has come as a result of the changes that we made two, three, four, five months in. And we wouldn't have been able to assess those changes and we wouldn't have been resourced to make those changes and we wouldn't have been able to go back to market to market the experience with those changes had we not had a program that we were running. Because a project, it's like, get it out there, let's see where it goes and, and then, you know, We'll take it from there. So we, we've seen greater success in programs purely just from the fact that it gave us more more runway to make a great product, and we were able to iterate and, and scale this thing correctly as we learned. Yeah, and I, I I have one more sort of like more meta question, and then I want to spend some time to you know dig into maybe some more specific use cases of what voice as a program can look like. But um, when when we're talking about you know kicking off um, uh, maybe a voice program. What does that look like in practice? Does it still come back to, um, you know, more aligning uh, the objectives with a team, but then it comes back to ultimately having a good and maybe specific voice project? Because uh, it seems like from uh, the conversations at least we've had in, in this club and, and looking at other uh, successful uh, voice-enabled experiences, usually they're very specific in, in the value that they can deliver. Uh, so I'm just curious what what the the sort of thought process looks like from your perspective when you actually kick off a, a voice program. Does it still come back to uh, ultimately the the first step being a very successful and and specific uh, voice project that's part of the the bigger program? I mean, I'd say in any successful voice program, there's going to be probably a, a pillar voice project. So you know, you you get any client that we have actively, we've got probably some landmark voice project that is constantly being worked on. But because we're treating it like a program, we're also spinning out a bunch of alarms and routines and we're buying media in unique places. And we're working with folks like you where we're, we're testing out web and mobile and we're seeing for different demographics of users who wants to interact in voice versus mobile versus web. Um, and so we've, we've probably got some like backstop, which is a, a core project, but then we're, we're like doing other pilots with different user interfaces and modalities. Uh, and we're going, you know, interesting that project took this many months and this many dollars and this much resource. And then this other project has took this many hours and this many dollars and this much resource. And what's the ROI and where do we think we can scale? So by doing multiple things, we, we just gain more learnings. Um, but yeah, it, it always, there, there's always going to be some like core project that you go, well, this is what we're doing. And then here's like other stuff that we do. Uh, and that changes, that's different for every client. Yeah, that, that, that resonates. Um, maybe let's, uh, use that now as a segue to look into, um, some more specific use cases to, to explore this idea of, of voice as a program. Um, but I, I know that you've done a lot of different work in, in media and, and commerce, especially from the perspective of of conversational voice apps and, and voice experiences. Um, do you have a good, uh, maybe starting in the, the media realm, um, do you have a good example use case to uh, maybe lay out what voice as a program could look like for uh, a media brand? Sure, yeah, so we've, we've got two clients, uh, well, we've multiple media clients, like we've worked with Simon and & Schuster, and that, that's more project-based. We've worked with Pottermore Publishing, and those are two, one project that's in market and another project that's coming to market. So those are good examples of like really cool project clients. But from a program perspective, 
you know, we, we've been working with Meredith Corporation for nearly three years now. Uh, we, we just the announcement came out that they're being acquired, which is, which is interesting and cool. But I can point to like HBO Max and Warner Music Group, two of like the most culturally significant brands. And we're building entire voice initiatives with them both independently, different clients, different initiatives. Um, but similar in the sense of they're saying, how do we win in conversational AI, right? And that doesn't mean for both of them, what's the Alexa skill? It means what are the ways that we can engage with your community through conversational AI? So um, it's a mixture of skills. It's a mixture of you know skills and actions. It's a mixture of you know smaller quick wins that we call them, things like, alarms or routines or first party promotion of, you know, media that's available within platforms that you could call up today, but people don't know are available like podcasts or shows or movies. Um, it's looking at partnership opportunities with, uh, with the platforms. It's looking at how can they leverage voice as a media driver or a place to spend media dollars. It's, you know, it's looking across the whole landscape of conversational AI and saying, well, where can we deploy resource? So for, I can't speak too much to like specific executions because a lot of that stuff isn't in market yet. But, you know, HBO, for example, we have HBO Max Recommends, which is this super cool uh, curation engine for what you should watch tonight if you're an HBO Max subscriber. And that's really just like the tip of the iceberg. We, we also launched this really cool Wonder Woman 1984 smart home experience where you like say a phrase and it activates your smartphone, your smart home, and then it launches the movie on your fire TV. And then, uh, you know, so we're, we're launching all these other side projects that fills in those baskets. And, you know, we can look back at the end of the year and say, Hey, here's the seven activations we launched. Where do we, where are the wins, where are the losses, where are the learnings and how do we evolve that next year? Um, so a little bit of a vague answer because I'm trying to protect client, uh, confidentiality, but, um, multiple projects within a, a client program. Yeah. And, and maybe, uh, uh, for media specifically, uh, I'm, I'm curious, do you think that, uh, just given that, you know, an end user, if they're, if they're looking to a media experience or, or something that's just more entertainment oriented, do you think that that category is just better positioned for whether you call it conversational or, uh, just interactive through voice? Um, do you think that that category is just better positioned uh, to take advantage of, of voice technology today, uh, given that the, I think the user expectations might be a little bit different going into mm -hmm. a, a media or entertainment type experience versus talking to a voice assistant, maybe to try and get some sort of like very utility focused task done. Sure. I mean, I think, I think first I, I probably filter it by platform. So I go like, there's all the, there's a, a million platforms, custom platforms, people are building their own voice tech stacks and customer service and enterprise and IVR systems. That's like a whole other ball of wax that we can talk about. But um, from like a consumer facing perspective, Apple and Google really more focused right now on, on mobile, right? So you think about which types of companies would be successful with Apple and Google right now. Well, those are companies that have a significant mobile footprint. Like who has the top mobile applications, who has the top web apps, who has the top mobile experiences. And those people might be thinking of different use cases for Apple and Google. And then Amazon, they're continually reinvesting in Alexa and devices and modalities. And we go, okay, who's going to, who's going to win there? Well, 
Amazon obviously cares about selling stuff. So anyone that could sell something on Amazon is probably going to have a, a fun road ahead with voice. And that's CPG brands and yes, entertainment companies and publishing companies. And think of anything that potentially be subscribed, sold, uh, they could be successful on Amazon. And then specifically media and entertainment, we think is a big winner because it's shown that that's where the, the organic behavior goes in that people it's like a staggering amount of people that are listening to music dominantly on their voice devices, audiobooks, podcasts, and the numbers ratchet up every single year. So if you're digesting audio content or visual content on a screen device, voice is a really easy remote control. And then um, thinking about the utility of it, voice is a really great utility to like control my smartphone or turn on my TV or navigate to something that I want to watch or listen to. So I think that the media companies have a lot to gain from conversational AI, but I've, I've mentioned this on a couple of podcasts, which is media companies also have the most to give because they've got such incredible libraries of engaging content and they have distribution. So they've got eyeballs and they've got millions of subscribers and they can drive discovery. So I think media and entertainment companies are probably the best suited for like a give and take with the platforms. And then I think, you know, commerce directed people are probably best positioned to take from Amazon and then Apple and Google, it's more like a who wins in mobile kind of a thing. Yeah, that, that's super interesting. Maybe we could use that to segue over um, into thinking more in, in voice commerce or, or commerce uh, within some of these uh, more conversational type platforms uh, that we've been discussing. So uh, do you have any like good tangible types of examples of uh, what a good, uh, just different good elements of a voice as a program for more of a commerce oriented mm -hmm. uh, brand? Yeah. I mean, I think for what you guys are doing is super exciting. So, you know, every client that we have, that's a, a commerce related or when you're searching and discovering some library of entertainment or product to be able to leverage your tool to think about a web or a mobile experience that's independent of the platforms, super cool. Like you know, as soon as we started talking with all of you, you became a key pillar in presentations to clients. It's like, you know about Alexa? Sure, cool. Do you know about Google? Absolutely. Well, did you know that we could activate your website and your, and your mobile experiences too? Not really? Well, let's talk about it. So that becomes a really cool value add and more, becoming more and more like a central piece of these programs that we're talking about. Um, and then from a commerce perspective, specifically across your platform or the other platforms, there's a lot of good examples. Like, of course, you can you can buy stuff on Amazon today. Um, go to your device and ask for, you know, a dozen different products that you think you might want to buy. You're going to probably find it to be somewhat inconsistent. We, we've seen that there's a lot of optimization opportunity in voice commerce organically on the platforms. And um, we're working with clients on that every day. And then Amazon has released a lot of tools and features that we can build skills that drive commerce, or we can deep link into you know first-party commerce, or we can do partnership programs with commerce, or we can drive advertising dollars through Amazon advertising to drive commerce, or Google, how can we tap into Google Play? Um, on Apple, could we use shortcuts, uh, Siri shortcuts to get people deeper into a mobile application for a subscription or something? So there's a lot of good examples out there. Um, 
of trying to leverage the latest tools and features. Um, and, and we're doing that today with Mars Wrigley and, and uh, Nutella and previously with PepsiCo. Um, and then, as I mentioned, some of our like digital companies that we work with about subscriptions and things like that. So maybe we could segue um, and look a little bit closer into uh, your outlook on, on mobile and web. I, I know you've done a lot of, of work within these, these voice assistant ecosystems, but uh, I think as we've gone into uh, 2021, now heading into 2022 here shortly, there's been a lot of attention around what voice interfaces can unlock within uh, mobile and, and web as well. So uh, I'm curious, how, how does your outlook or, or how does mobile and web ultimately fit into your model of, of voice as a program? So, I mean, what's interesting is it, it's just happened really quickly. So back 2015, 16, 17, it was, it was really all about Alexa skills on the couple of devices that were in market and the Google Assistant eventually, and then toying around with Bixby and really just like strategically focused there. What we've seen is, you know, after five years of analytics, there's a, a lot of people that are engaging on mobile devices. Um, and for that reason, I think that, that Google has actually pivoted quite a bit on, on their own to optimizing for mobile uh, conversations. Um, and Amazon has done a little bit, bit as well. So we've just seen that depending on the use case and the platform, sometimes the majority of traffic that we get is on mobile devices. And then we also see that there's a ton of enablements and engagement with experiences through web-related interfaces. So we see a lot of people that are enabling experiences or clicking on follow-ups and CTAs through web and mobile. Um, so we're, we're much more now thinking about voice as a truly multimodal experience. And then we go, cool, if it's multimodal, we just want to put the best experience where people are. So that could be on my Alexa device on my on my kitchen counter. But if I'm walking around town, it, it's, it should be on my mobile device. And if I'm at my desk, you know, maybe it's on my desktop. Uh, if I'm in a, a website of a, of, a, of a brand I like, I don't want to have to talk to Alexa while I'm shopping on this website. I want to just like navigate through voice on that website. If I'm in my car, I want to engage with the car and have it drive to my mobile phone so I can continue the engagement. So for us, it's it's not about one or the other. It's just like we've got to be thinking fully multimodal. And web and mobile are just like really, they've proven over decades that they are really important modalities. So we've got to be thinking about that and, and driving experiences there. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and I think that today, uh, most people, um, if they walk up to a voice assistant, uh, device or a device that that looks like a voice assistant, they they will expect that they can talk to that device. But maybe if you you look at your phone or if you look at your computer or even a smart TV, it might not be uh, that voice is an expected modality. But I, I think that if we can get to, uh, I'm, I'm taking the the term from from Roger Kibbe, but I think if we can get to this point where where voice becomes an expected modality uh, across devices, uh, it'll be a really really interesting. Uh, or it'll lead to interesting opportunities. So I'm curious, th does that resonate with you? And and if so, uh, what do you think are some some tangible steps that can be uh, taken in order to get us to this future where um, users ultimately expect that they can talk to all of their devices? It's not really a question. 
I mean, I, th- I think we're getting there pretty, pretty quick. Um, you know, there, there's a quote that I love and I just don't remember who, whose quote it was, but it's, it's something like, we tend to overestimate what technology does in the short term and we underestimate what it does in the long term. And, and how that correlates to voice is that I think, you know, Alexa comes out in 2015. People think that by 2017, we're going to just be voice controlling the whole world. And as proven, technology takes time to evolve. And the, the swell of people that entered the voice space in 2017, 2018, there's, there's not a, a lot of those people left. Um, a lot of the kind of early adopters who liked the buzz of it uh, left. And they're probably now working on like NFTs and metaverse stuff, right? Because they're like moving on to the next shift that's like exciting. But the people that are left or the people that are now coming into conversational AI are seeing a channel that is like really evolved, continuing to evolve, and as evidenced by like the dozens of massive venture capital rounds in the last six or 12 months, now has like an infrastructure to to build upon. So, you know, uh, I, I think that we just kind of, we've got this exciting future coming now where we've got this this great base um, and then the technology can can kind of grow from there. I think I lost track of the original question, but, uh, but, uh, yeah. No, that, that, that's super interesting. I think that, that quote that you're, you're talking about, I forget who it came from originally, but I think it was Gates that, that kind of made it, made it popular a few years back, yeah. But, but yeah, yeah, very interesting quote. Uh, maybe if we could jump back into, uh, looking at a few specific use cases, um, of, of voice and, and more of like the mobile and web, just to get your feedback and, and mm-hmm. on, on, on where voice could and or is going today and where maybe where it could go um, in the future. But uh, I'm curious just to get your feedback. Uh, I don't know if you saw um, companies like Home Depot um, or Walmart adding voice search into uh, the consumer. So on, on the consumer side, Home Depot has a, a voice search experience. Mm-hmm. Sephora also have a, a native mobile voice search experience. But then on the other side, you have companies like Walmart um, who have added different sort of voice features into the employee application side. Yeah. Um, so, so what, what do you think of, of these experiences, both on the consumer and then more on the employee, um, or business maybe, I guess, side of things? Yeah, I, I think, I think we're right there. And I'm now remembering like the point that I missed on the last question. So I'll add, I'll add into it. But the point that I was making on the previous question, which leads into this question is we're right there where people are now expecting to be able to converse with their modalities because we've had years of infrastructure and you know you look at what Disney's doing now where where voice is going to control the whole ecosystem and you look at kids you know we we have several kid directed experiences family directed experiences where you know if you're a kid right now 5 to 12 years old you're you're growing up with voice assistants and what are those people what are those kids going to look like when they're in high school and college and coming out of college and then everyone else in the household that's just engaging with these with these right now so i i think that from a a mobile and a web perspective you know for sure any commerce experience you know a lot of e-commerce websites you go there you're searching for something a pair of pants a pair of shoes whatever it may be home depot lowe's whatever and then you get into their filtering technology and it's sometimes so frustrating from like big brands that it's not even worth it right like let me just let me just go to like amazon.com and buy something because it's easier um 
you know, I want to click on sizes and every time I click a size, it refreshes the page. I want to navigate search. So by being able to kind of sit back and, and loft a phrase onto the website, and then it picks up all my intents and it logs those and it auto filters for me, any type of a search and discovery experience is going to be wildly improved by being able to converse with my website or my mobile web or my web application or my mobile application. So I think, I think that's like the thing that we're really excited about. Um, anywhere there's discovery, you know, going from commerce to like media and entertainment. So I'm looking for news articles. I'm looking for what to watch tonight on TV. I'm looking for music to listen to. I'm looking for a book to read, an audio book, anything that I'm discovering and searching for things for sure. That's a huge area. And then we, we then move over to like the enterprise space and, you know, think about customer support. I mean, how, how impossible are a lot of these help pages where it's like 17 tabs and 15 drop downs and try this. And there's an image. Let me just talk to the thing. Let me just, let me just, again, lob a phrase in that says, here's the problem I'm having. Here's how it happened. Here's what I'm looking at. Let it eat up all those intents and let it drive me to the best possible option for me, which should shorten up my journey and then reduce my friction. So those are the two areas that we're thinking really heavily about with, with your, your, your technology and, and chat with clients about. Um, so search and discovery and then like helping people get answers really quickly that they need. Yeah. So that, uh, that, that's sort of like the commerce side. I think also some other interesting, um, integrations or, or implementations that we've seen of voice, uh, into mobile or, or web has also been on, on more of like the media or entertainment side. So we've seen yeah. Spotify at voice search, we've seen Pandora with their, their interactive advertising. Uh, what, what about that side of things? Uh, those experience would, would love to get your thoughts on on both the voice search and, and media and then and then sort of interactive voice advertising. Would, would love to get your thoughts. Yeah, of course. I mean, take for example, um, this experience that we have in market for HBO Max. It's called HBO Max Recommends. Uh, if you haven't checked it out yet, please check it out. Five-star review, all that good stuff. It's a really cool experience. And, and we built that because we did a lot of user insight testing and you know, analysis paralysis is a very real thing. Um, so the inspiration for that experience was let's let people converse with this brand and, and let them kind of pick and choose as if you were in a room with a friend and you were saying, you know, hey, what do you want to watch tonight? What do you want to listen to tonight? What do you want to stream tonight? And then let that platform talk back to you. We're not trying to fully emulate a human interaction because there's got to be a more precise utility to it, but let people kind of push queries in and get back good options. And so we go, well, that that experience should definitely extend to the web. Um, so think about any streaming service, any music streaming service, anyone that has a, a big library and a lot of metadata, you know, we obviously should let people kind of just lob a query into the void and, and let it pick up all those intents and then you know go and do its job and, and bring me back great options get get me out of here with what i what i want um and you'll have m much happier fans yeah uh i have i have a question on maybe getting product projects like this going um as well and 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 maybe the the mobile and web and and how that could differ from more of the the conversational channels or, or the voice assistant um uh platforms 
uh, since the product teams that have been managing mobile or web experiences, just cause it's been a, around longer, um, by nature, they're, they're more set, set place. They have budgets, uh, just ultimately they're, they're a little bit more established, you know, again, this is, these are new channels, these, these voice assistants. Mm -hmm. So do you think, or have you seen it be any easier to pitch the concept of these voice features? In, in more established domains, uh, our own channels like like mobile or web um, versus uh, voice-enabled experiences in the new channels or are um, different brands um, interested in, you know, the, the next platforms to come? You know, I, I think um, these organizations that, that at least we work with are are primarily interested in what works for their their brand and, and then they lean on us as their agency partner to say we understand your goals here's three options for you um and so they're looking for level of lift and level of return and when we talk to people about web and mobile voice what's nice about that is it's easy to comprehend right they've been working on their websites and there's many instances where we're talking to a brand and we say well what about doing you know a voice experience on amazon and they say you know gosh we're still working on our web infrastructure we're still working on our seo we're still working on our search functionality when we're done with that let's have a conversation about how voice folds in so we can follow up with that really quickly and go you're primarily focused on your web and mobile because that's been the driver of your business for a long period of time. Why don't we talk about injecting conversational AI into those modalities? And so a lot of times it's easier to move ahead with that as a first talking point because it's a space they're aware of. They've been working in it for a while and they're probably working on it right now. So you can fit into a, a roadmap that already exists versus trying to introduce a whole new channel uh, that needs to be vetted more aggressively. And, um, so, you know, it's like, there's that old saying, your, your best customer is your existing customer. Well, it's like the best modality is your existing modality potentially. Uh, so we, we see good progress there. Yeah. And, uh, just for, for the listeners, I, I have maybe one or, or two more, uh, different thoughts and, and questions I want to, uh, give to, to Brandon, but if, if there's anybody that has any questions, comments, uh, please feel free to raise your hand. We'd lo love to bring some other people up here and, and give you the opportunity to, to ask Brandon some questions. But, um, you know, in this, this conversation, um, Brandon, I've, I've almost started to crystallize or, or build a, my own sort of perspective or something that I want to look at a little bit more, but it, it seems like today the value of, of voice tech or, or voice enabled experiences, they seem to almost go on on one side or the other of a pendulum, if you could think of it like that, where either the experience is super efficient and it, it just gets something done uh, immediately, or it's more on the other side where it's really entertaining. And I think as a byproduct of that, uh, more of an immersive experience. And it doesn't seem like there's much of a middle ground uh, between those experiences. Uh, does, does that resonate with you at all? Um, it seems like almost looking at I think commerce and media side by side really is actually a good like way to crystallize that because if I'm doing commerce, like I don't need it to be that immersive. I want to get in, I want to get things done. But then on the media side, I mean, I want to be immersed. I want to be entertained. And so I'm, I'm more willing to lend uh, some time to that experience. So yeah, I don't know if that, that resonates with you at all. would love to get your thoughts. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, what we've learned about voice is call it like a baseline rule. You have to be efficient with people's time. 
and you have to be efficient with people's, uh, you know, how many steps they have to take. You know, the whole, the whole point of a good UI is eliminating the steps that someone has to take to get to where they want to go or you want them to go. So in a lot of instances, the answer is absolutely like, is this a utility? Are we just trying to deliver something? Let's just get them there. Let's not be, let's not be too, we always say like, let's not be self-indulgent, right? We, we might be excited about writing the scripting or making this audio or creating these visuals or having this winding experience, but ultimately it's not in the best service of the experience, specifically in a utility. So it's like, get there quick. And then even in like an entertainment experience where you want to be a little bit more long-winded, you've got to be efficient. You've got to find ways to fit the most creativity into the most efficient vehicle. Um, so you're not, you're not wasting people's time. But I, I will also say like, you know, you know comedians like, uh, and I mentioned comedians because like sometimes we do use and we used to heavily use comedians as copywriters because they know how to get to a punchline in the most efficient way. But you'll see a comedian like Norm MacDonald who just passed away and the guy would tell like a 12 minute story for a five second punchline, but he was an outlier. So I think that there's room in conversational AI for inventive use cases that are intended to be these winding, longer experiences even things like meditation, right? You, you want to meditate for a period of time. You don't want to get in and out. Um, so baseline is, yeah, be as efficient as possible, but we should still be exploring areas that we could be a little bit more, um, you know, innovative and exploratory with with uh, length of content and production of content and synthetic voices versus voiceovers versus text-to-speech and all that fun stuff, which is tough for me, as you can tell, because I give long answers to everything. But um but we, we work on it. <laughs> awesome. Um, well, like I said, if, if anybody has any questions, comments, uh, just feel free to raise your hand. Would, would love to, to bring you up. Um, but I, I think the, the last question that, that I have from my side, Brandon, is, is sort of high level. And, it, and it's really, um, did we miss anything or are there any other key elements to uh, a voice program that we didn't necessarily cover today that you think is important for the listeners, uh, both now and in the future to, um, to hear. I guess, I guess my only, my only keynote is, is, and this is something I'm thinking about a lot right now as we're ending the year and, you know, wrapping up year planning and starting 2022 planning is like, I, I think regardless of the, the platform, the use case, the modality, we, we all need to both be patient and like in an exploratory hurry. And what I mean by that is we've got to be playing with new stuff. A new feature comes out, you know, you see Speechly, you're excited about it. We should be, we should be moving fast and breaking things as the adage goes. But I also implore people to be patient because you can't just have that, as I said, project mentality, which is like, do that thing. Now do that thing. Now forget about that. Throw that away. Move forward. It's well, let's, let's move fast and break things, but let's also be patient to analyze and invest in the areas that we want to build over time. And, you know, an example of that is like, take an HBO or Warner Music Group, for example. They know that in five or 10 years from now, voice is going to drive a significant portion of their business. So we're both in a hurry and very patient in how we explore voice for those, those clients. Um, so I, I just, that, that's what I always ask people to do is like, 
think about voice as a place to be really patient, but as a place to like really innovate and move quick. Yeah, that that's awesome. And, and, and that brought up one more, um, question that I have, but, um, it, it seems like the, the whole start or the focus, uh, that you have on voice at skilled creative, it, it ultimately came from this, this inside interest that you had, but also, uh, clearly from this interest from, um, your, your, your clients that you had as well. So, uh, in, in 2021, and as we do planning and, and are going into 2022 here, uh, are you still seeing that, that same curiosity from both clients and, and prospects in, in voice today that you saw at the beginning, um, when you decided to really crystallize and then focus on voice and conversational AI and if so, or if not, um, how does it look maybe different today that, that curiosity and interest than what it did, uh, back when it was interesting enough for you to, you know, sort of push all the chips towards conversational AI and voice. What, what I should say is yes, uh, no, it's, it's a dead space. No one should work in it. Uh, and I should drive all of our agency's competitors out of the space, go work on NFTs. But the truth of the matter is, yes, we're still seeing like the, the like eye opening, you know, holy cow. I, I didn't know this technology could do that when we, when we educate potential clients and partners. What we see a little bit less of is a less of the like verge ad week ad age coverage, right? Because the they they've moved over to metaverse. They're not talking about that thing. But what's left over here is like a true technology platform that has value. And you know, we're all in the space. So we're like maybe we're all maybe we're all tired of talking to each other about some feature or element of conversational AI because we're working on it. But when we sit down with a new client and they've got an Alexa device, but they don't really know what's underneath the hood and we go, well, did you know it could do X, Y, and Z? We still see that like magical reaction, which is super exciting. Um, so, so yes. And, and the reason why I don't say no and, and try and, you know, tell people not to enter the space is because I think it's going to grow at such an aggressive clip that there's, there's more than enough for literally everybody to build a really nice business here. So we don't view it as a competitive landscape. It's like, come one, come all, let's build this thing. It's exciting. Let's go. Yeah. I, I think I take a very similar approach where, uh, yeah, certainly there are certain types of people that would love to, uh, compete and, and, uh, yeah, really just drive competition over a, a small slice of pie. But I think that there's much more value in collaboration and, and growing the, the, the overall pie, um, all together. And, and we're still in the the early innings of that, so to speak. So I really like that answer, but, um, yeah, I think that's a, a great place to, to end today's conversation, but, uh, yeah, thanks Brandon so much for, for joining this conversation in the voice interface club. Um, I'm just curious for the listeners, where can they find out, um, more info about your work or if they have interest in a project, um, reach out to, uh, the team at skilled. Yeah, of course. So, uh, follow us on social channels at skilled creative. Um, I think we're we're on all the different social channels and we're posting pretty regularly and uh, projects and ideas and thoughts. And then if you're interested in talking about a project, we're also like constantly looking to work with new people. If you're a strategist or a technologist or a creative, you know, we're looking for unique perspectives, different brains uh, to to think about this. So you can feel free to reach out um, hi at skilledcreative.com. Um, and maybe you put like subject matter clubhouse or subject matter podcast on it. So we know where it came from, but, uh, we're always happy to chat about voice. 
Awesome. It, it looks like we might have a late uh, question or, or comment here sure. from, from Nigel. How's it going, Nigel? Great. It's going fantastic. How are you doing, gentlemen? I'm loving it. Good, good. Dude. Yeah, this was, this was good. That brought me back to, uh, you, you mentioned Simon and Schuster and I did a bit of consulting for them back at, you know, some years ago. So oh, great, you know, great company. Um, so my, my question is, as you, I, I love the way you frame this, you know, project versus program. I thought that was, that was, uh, particularly insightful, but as you, as you, as you're working with these clients, have you seen that transition go from, you know, you start off and I think you might've touched on it a little bit, but I wanted to see if you could, um, just elaborate when you see that, you know, in the times where the transition has gone from project to program, how are you finding that conversation going? How is that transition typically happening? When do you see, you know, as, as opportunities to really further that discussion? Uh, because I think that, that sometimes, uh, you know, those are pivotal moments I've found in my experience. Yeah, for sure. I, I think it's because you know, even if a client comes to us with a project brief or scope or RFP, even when we're responding on that project, we're, we're, we're responding through the lens of a project, a program. So we're always, we, our company, we just, we think about this as a program. Like, even if you say, I've got X dollars, I want to build this thing. We come back and we go, here's how much it costs to build it. But listen, we should really be thinking about how we go to market, how we analyze, how we iterate. So we're already like having those discussions, even if it's just a project. And then, you know, there's a, there's a lot of secret sauce in terms of how do you build rapport with a client? How do you inject educational conversations? When do you when do you raise the question of extending a relationship? How do you extend a relationship? So, I don't know. We we have like our own way of doing it. We're we're a heavily like relationship based company, and which we, we think of ourselves as educators. So even if we're doing a project, we're constantly like, you know, hyping people up on voice and educating them about things we think are cool. And it seems to evolve pretty naturally into program discussions. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes a client goes like, I have this much money. I want to build this thing. I don't care about anything else. And we go, cool. That's great. It, it, it's, it could be a fit for us. It could not be a fit for us. Um, but it, it just seems to be a natural flow. Yeah, that, that, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm kind of finding. I was just looking to see if there was, um, you know, if there was, if it was anything else. And you, you kind of touched on it with the educational piece, mm -hmm. because, which is what, uh, you know, we've been finding as well. One last question. Do you think, where do you think is the, um, is the best starting point for, uh, brands where they're not involved in the voice space? They don't, they don't have any, you know, they're, they're open to the idea, but you know, where's a great starting point for them that's going to give some, going to maximize the practical value up front? My, my recommendation, if we're, if we're in a vacuum and, mm -hmm. you know, we don't have deadlines or yep. programs yep. or campaigns, education. I think that like a brand leader, a CMO, a director of innovation, a digital product manager, a digital brand owner, um, if they take the time to go through a, a discovery process or an educational process, they're going to be able to think with you so much clearer about what could be versus trying to like rush to a scope. So if you can always start with education, if you can't, it's a hard, you know, some type of a project to be frank, you know, like, but, and that use case is going to be wildly different for every day. Right. right, 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 right. What are the ones, is there any that you find that work more times than not, like just as a gateway, so to speak? Not really. Don't. <laughs> you know, to be, to be honest, like from a, a, a business discussion, Sometimes there's just companies that, that, that are frankly too small 
you know, because voice can, voice can be an expensive endeavor if you really want to, uh, to, to venture into it. And, you know, I, I never want to feel like I'm kind of coercing someone to spend their whole budget and all their hopes and dreams are on like this singular execution. Um, because then there's so much pressure on that one project and that one moment in time. Right. So sometimes a company is just, they don't have the budget. And we've talked with brands that you would think like, oh, it's a big name. And they go, listen, we just don't have innovation budget. Or we don't have like digital product budget. Huh? And you go, cool. Like let's, let's chat again. And, and, you know, or, or we can refer you to some people that may want to do it, but we, we, we vet on like, well, how much could you potentially invest and how excited are you to do it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it, it, it would be, it's surprising how much time, how many times you see that, the way the budget yeah. is constructed. Yeah, for sure. But listen, I, I appreciate this, this insight. I appreciate the framing more than anything else. Um, just the project versus program. I think that really put it into, into perspective. So, and Colin, as always, it's always good to, to hear you, uh, you know, I'll moderate these rooms. So, and I see Otto down there and Brett, it's cool. uh, Tara J. Um, well, I appreciate you guys. And, um, that, that, that's all I got, man. So uh, I, l- I look forward to continuing these conversations and I appreciate the invite. Cool, man. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks for, thanks for raising that question, Nigel. I think it brought up uh, some interesting, interesting points. So yeah, always, always appreciate you uh, coming up and asking some questions, but um, yeah, we are at the the top of the hour here. So thanks again, Brandon, for, for joining in on this conversation. Uh, I'm leaving definitely with some, some pretty interesting takeaways, things I didn't think about before. So uh, yeah, really. Thanks just for for giving the the time for for this conversation. Um, everybody that's listening, uh, whether live or, or after the fact, you can join us for these types of conversations weekly, uh, exploring the best use cases for voice user interfaces. Uh, as usual, hope you have a, a great weekend. And uh, yeah, thanks again for joining. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Speechly Podcast. If you enjoyed this discussion and are interested in the world of voice user interfaces, we would love if you subscribed and checked out future episodes. And if you are ready to integrate a voice user interface in your website or application, or if you would just like to learn more about the opportunities with voice user interfaces, you should check out our website at speechly.com.